episode 111 of the Bevan James Isle Show, Minimising the Damage. Radio team, welcome along to episode 111 of the Bevan James Isle Show, the Fitness Behaviour Podcast, the fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness so that you can get them. Uh, all the benefits come alongside it. I, I kind of got that right. I, I love that this is 111, 111 in New Zealand. I know in a lot of countries it's 911, but in New Zealand our emergency services phone number is 111. So when I said 111, I instantly thought of that. And uh, it reminds me of being a kid, isn't it? Remember like prank calls when you were a kid? I'm pretty sure I probably prank called 111 when I was a kid because um, I was a little sort of kind of cheeky little bugger of a kid. And uh, I, I, I have to say, I do love a cheeky bugger little kid. You know what I mean? Like, I do love a kid. Like, I know sometimes that, that can lead to, to problems. Um, I, but as I'm talking about this, I was just thinking, we go camping in a place called Glendu Bay for a great bunch of friends. Just such the coolest people. And every year we, we go camping with them. And uh, one year, so camping, I don't know if you camp wherever you are in the world, but New Zealand camping, the summer holiday camping is, you know, tents and a big campground. And it's, it's, it's a cool experience. And we do it every year. And uh, I remember last year, so you campground, you know, you, you have your tents and stuff, but there's kind of communal bathrooms and toilets and stuff. And I was walking down to have my shower one morning, there's this little kid, they were all playing with their sweat guns and something, and this little kid just looked at me, gave me this cheeky little look, and just squirted me and then ran away laughing. And you, you're thinking, oh, you little crapid, but at the same time, I, I just absolutely loved it, because to me, you know, like I love a little cheeky kid at times, now, at times, and <laughs> and, and probably partly because I was, not like, probably partly because in my time, I maybe I was that kid myself, I think it's, it's, you know, it's not, you know, it's a bit of fun and games, but anyway, um, 111, it's our emergency services in New Zealand, um, got to say, uh, today's show is, I'm actually doing it in reverse, I've already recorded the main gist of today's show, it's going to be going pretty deep, because that's how I like to roll, uh, yeah, and I think there's going to be, yeah, it could be good, I th- well, no, I, I think there's going to be some value coming from it, it could be good, I've got to say that, don't I, but before I get into the main gist of today's show, I just want to say a big thank you to all my patrons, if you are a patron of the show, thank you very much, it, it really makes a difference in me doing what I do, and uh, if you want to become a patron, go to bevanjamesisles.com, it's all pretty obvious on the website, and then uh, you can go from there, but these people are some of the patrons, it is George Monopoly Man Street, we've got Dean the Cool Cube Kubi, we've got Rachel Walking on Sunshine the Busk, we've got Anna Do Dungy, we've got Amanda Super Duper Amazing Amanda, Ali Brown Float Like a Butterfly Sting Like a Bee, Priscilla King Love Me Tender or All Shook Up, I think Priscilla King was obviously Priscilla Presley and she was the King of Rock and Roll's wife, so that's probably, there's an Elvis reference there for sure. Uh, love me tender, all shook up. So there you go. So if you want to become a patron of the show, just go to Bevan James Isles, and it's all pretty obvious on the site. And uh, basically what happens is every time I release a show, you just contribute a little bit of your money towards what I'm doing. So again, to all the patrons, thank you very, very much. Anyway, uh, I'm going to pretty much get going and get this doing, and uh, let's get into the main gist of today's show. I was having a session with somebody the other day and I asked them a question that 
it's a really interesting question to reflect upon. And, and the, the, the question was, when you're in your bad place, how does that affect your world? When you're in a bad place, how does it, well, or, or maybe add to that, when I'm in a bad place, how does that affect my world? And where do I go within myself? So both internally and through my actions. And, and it really started a really interesting discussion with this client. And it was, it was really good. It was really valuable. And it made this client really think of a few things. And as we were talking, I started to think of one of my best friends. And one of my best friends um, has been a friend of mine. You know, I'm, I'm 40 in two weeks, guys. Wow, crazy. But, uh, we, you know, when you're coming up 40, you've, you've often had friends for over you know, a long period of time. And this friend of mine has been a friend of mine, really, a, a close friend for 25 years now. And it's, it's quite mind-blowing when we think about it, 25 years of being a friend. And uh, like myself in the early years, this is a guy who who struggled. Um, a different kind of struggle to mine. Uh, you know, you know my story. I academically struggled. I um, felt very much like a failure in life. I had and I was very unskilled and kind of incompetent, whereas my mate wasn't. My mate was actually a kid who came up, was quite intelligent, had a lot going for him, was a very good athlete, um, you know, lots going for him. But then some reason in his mid-years kind of went down the wrong path a little bit and started hanging around with people like myself and uh, kind of went down a druggy life like myself and um, stayed in that place for a period of time. And um, and I remember he went overseas at a, at a kind of a very crucial moment in his life. It was really interesting. He went overseas. I, I was I'd started to as, as a person. I'd started to turn the corner, and at first he was kind of staying back in their old behaviours, you know, the drugs and all the rest of it. And then he he I don't know if it was my rubbing off on him, but then suddenly there was a moment where he just started to shift, and he was getting back to the potential of what he could be. And this is, this is again, this is like late teens I'm talking about here. And um, it was, there was some really cool stuff happening. And then he went overseas. And in some ways, the overseas experience, I'm sure, was amazing for him because he got to go and live life. But it did keep him some of the, the habits that that life had brought upon him. And uh, then about three or four years later, so we kind of separated. And, and it was a little bit before the internet in a way that you'd keep connected like you would nowadays. We didn't have Facebook and those types of tools. So it wasn't like I was really keeping in contact with him. And then he came back from overseas and, and my life had completely changed. So, uh, you know, I, I had a totally new group of friends, a totally new kind of way of living and so on. But one thing that my mate and my had is we always had music. So we played music together. And when he came back from overseas, I'd kind of pulled away from music because the sport was my thing. And I gave him a call one day. I said, mate, we should catch up and have a jam because we played a lot of guitar together in her early years. And so we did. And, and he was still in this place where he was still doing a lot of the behaviours that we did when we were young men. But now we're probably late 20s, maybe. No, no, it's probably late 20s. And so he hadn't really moved forward from a lot of those behaviours. And um, it was a really interesting time because we'd catch up every kind of Tuesday night for a jam. And, and uh, uh, this, this, this here's a really important thing, is to have friends who you can honestly communicate with. And for my mate and I, our, our Tuesday night jam, I was single at the time, and so he'd come around, I'd cook him dinner, Tyler and my daughter would be there, and, we'd, and then we'd just put out guitars, and we'd play guitars for a little bit, and try to get my daughter to sing, and it was quite a cool, fun environment. And um, But the other value of it was, is that, Man, we just have deep and meaningfuls. And it's, you know, I've often talked about how men seem to not go to that deep level. Men, in their conversation, 
you know, maybe not just men, but I do know a lot of men really struggle with this is they want the deeper conversation and they don't really get it in their lives. And as, you know, this became a safe environment for both my friend and myself to really dig pretty deep. And my friend, through this communication, you know, there was obviously some struggles that this person needed to work on. And, you know, I, I tried to be a friend who supported him and so on and so on. But we kind of just, you know, we had this open dialogue. And then it's it's really cool. He was one of my he was one of my groomsmen at my wedding, and uh, in my wedding speeches, I, I although I did stuff up with couple mates and I had to go back to my after fact, I kind of I didn't want to shit on people. I didn't want my wedding speeches to be about shitting on people because uh, you know I just didn't want it to be that. I wanted to kind of give them a little bit of a light ribbing and then kind of tell the people why these people were important to me. And I in my first couple of guys, I kind of forgot to do the good bits. <laughs> I gave the first um, Duncan and Sean a bit of a ribbing and then kind of moved on and forgot to do the good bit. And, and then uh, I did it with the next two guys. I had four groomsmen. And so I actually wrote to the other two afterwards and said, oh, here's what I was meant to say. But anyway, um, and so then when my mate got up and I kind of said, oh, you know, him and I started in the same place. And now I look at the man that he is. And, you know, the guy who was a druggie, uh, who struggled a lot within himself, um, who kind of, you know, life, even in his late 20s, still had some struggles. And the last 10 years of his life have really turned around and really amazing, like amazingly well. He's got this massively successful career. He's very, very good at what he does. Um, he, he basically, within his industry, within his company, he performs at the highest level annually. They're giving him his opportunities because he turns things around. He's got an amazing family. He's an amazing father. Um, his family, as a friend, I just love spending time with his family. He's, he's just a good man now. And it's interesting as I reflect upon his growth and being a, the guy or a guy who stood beside him along the way or just been there. I don't know if I you know, can take any credit for his progress, but I've just kind of been there along the way. It's really interesting thinking back to the man that he was when he was struggling. The man that he was when he was struggling. And this is what we're going back to earlier on in regards to the session I had with my client where I was talking about how you know, that question of who are you when you struggle and, and what are the actions you take when you struggle in life. And one of the things I really respect most about my mate is that even when he struggled, he never brought his world down. So as much as he had internal things that he needed to work on and, you know, changes in behaviors that he needed to address and you know all these big things that he needed to really kind of develop within himself he you know he was never the kind of person who made the world around him bad and looking back now that's something I really really respect that you know because often for many people in their tough times it comes at a massive cost to themselves and to their world and my mate um, um, I, I just, because I've got to be honest, there's there's sides of myself that when I struggled, I really damaged my world. Like I was a horrible partner to some of my girlfriends. I was a cheat. I was um, I was mean because I was weak in character. Um, I don't know if I was consciously doing this, but looking back, I definitely did these things. Um, I, 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 there's just many examples of how because of my struggle, my world had to pay a price. 
And and again, I don't know if I was conscious of going, my world has to pay a price. But there was this massive price my world had to pay. And it was really interesting reflecting upon my friend because he's probably one of the only examples I have in life of someone who, in their struggle, doesn't bring their world down. And it's a, it's actually quite an admirable thing. And what's really cool is that this person's gone on and progressed and, you know, I'm sure he's got struggles now because we all do, but, you know, it's a much lesser of a struggle. And so... Uh, you know, he's just, he's kind of a beacon light. But it's just, just kind of thinking about this over the last few days has really got me thinking about this as a topic for, for you to reflect upon, you know, you being the person listening to this right now. And that, where do you go? What's what's the cost of your struggle? What's the cost of your struggle? Like let's, let's think about some areas that you could struggle in. So, um... You know, this is, you know, I always joke that this is meant to be a fitness, well, not, it is meant to be a fitness podcast, but obviously if you've listened to the show for a while, it goes down a much broader range of topics. But if, if we think about it, what's an area of your life where you, it makes you feel bad about yourself? For some people it's nutrition, some people it's exercise, some people it's um, their sexual side, you know, some people it's cheating, some people it's their dishonesty, some people it's not feeling good enough, some people it's... Um, you know, it's it's many there's many examples of me not feeling good about myself, and and I suppose maybe as I'm kind of talking about this with you here, is what are those areas for you? Now, if you can identify what that area is, and let's be honest, for some people and probably for many people, it's more than one area. It's actually quite a few areas where we we really you know that. We pile these things on top of ourselves. And I suppose maybe if, I, if if you can identify that first, what's the worst place you go to when you're in that in that state? So let's say it is, I don't know, nutrition, that you overeat when you're in your bad place. You know, your overeating is, you know, so you feel, and this is a really typical one, isn't it? And when we think about the nutrition experience for people who really struggle with food and you know it's that kind of most of us know what we should eat and what we shouldn't eat it's it's the overeating is often more of an emotional response to a hard time so I'm going to use this as an example today so you know you've had a a, a tough moment in life and you're really struggling and and you overeat and so you know you the how do you deal with it you overeat so you know it's the whole packet of biscuits it's a bag of chips it's you know and in this place it's an extremely um, you know, damaging amount of food. It's, you know, it's not just, you know, I had a cup of bits of chocolate because I was feeling a bit down. It was, I ate the whole cupboard because I, I, you know, I, I, I was feeling a bit down. So for you, as I throw this at you, where do you go when you're in your bad place? And what are the behaviors that come through there? So the example I'm using obviously is when I go to my bad place, I eat to extreme levels. So the the thing that we then want to think about is, if you can identify that, and hopefully as we're listening to this right now, you really are identifying what this is, what's the cost of your bad place? What's the cost of your bad place? Now if we go back to the, if we use the example I'm using here, the one of you you know, the eating example, when I get emotional, or at least in a negative way, I overeat and I feel really bad about myself. Now, if I were to throw at you right now and I were to say to you, okay, give me some answers to what this could be. You know, if, if, if overeating to extreme levels when I'm feeling emotionally bad about myself 
or something that's happening in my life or the pressure in my life, you know, responding in a way that's actually damaging for me. What's the cost of this? Now, I'm sure we can all come up with some really obvious answers. So some of the real obvious answers we're going to come is, is weight. Like if, if every time I struggle, I then eat to an excessive amount, it's probably going to be harder to maintain a healthy weight range. So that's, that's a really obvious answer, isn't it? Some other ones, like your health. So if I'm overweight or if I'm eating you know, high processed foods and, and all of these things to extreme levels all the time, it's probably going to hurt your health. Uh, your motivation, like if you are... You know, like what you know, kind of this. This is this can flow on and flow on, can't it? So, like, if I eat a whole packet of biscuits, a bag of chips, and so on and so on, because I'm feeling bad after something that happened on Friday, I may stay up too late because I think, well, what's the what's the point? So I start watching crap TV until really two in the morning, which then means my Saturday is written off because I'm tired. So I'm lacking motivation, and then because I'm lacking motivation, I never actually do the things I feel I should do to create change. So I'm feeling bad about myself. You see where that goes. So these are these are the kind of. If I'm going to kind of put layers upon today's conversation, if we think about, you know, what's the what's the areas that, that I'm susceptible to, how do I respond in ways that are damaging to myself, and what's the cost of that? that, that those are kind of really obvious. But if I was going to say, what's the deeper cost? What's the deeper cost of that? So if we go deeper, if we go what's another maybe layer or two down, so the obvious answers were things like overeating, being overweight, unhealthy, and losing motivation. So those, those are we can all see those. But what's the deeper cost of the way you deal with the hard times in your life? So if I'm just going to kind of explore this as we're talking about this right now, what I'm going to say is maybe one of the deeper costs is that I don't like myself. That when I, when I self-identify with myself, I see myself as a, a failure. Uh, that I'm, that when I, um, I, I feel, you know, my energy in my day is consumed that I'm not good enough. You know, so many people feel not good enough, you know, and, and they, they kind of have evidence to prove it. Because when they go to a damaging place, the behaviors they choose, or maybe not even choose, but the behaviors that happen cause evidence that, you know, I'm a failure. Because I feel like a failure, I'm just going deeper with this. If because I feel like a failure, the only way I feel good about myself is to bring other people down. So because I'm feeling overweight and um, unhealthy and unmotivated and um that I'm self-identifying, that I'm a failure, that my only way to feel good about myself is to be a bit of a negative influence on those around me. You know, I've got to pull them down to my level to make sure that I'm feeling good about myself. Um, maybe another, like, and I'm just exploring, I'm not saying this is you, but you know, I'm just, you know, this is hard stuff to talk about, but it's important stuff to talk about. But uh, another example is... Um, I disconnect with my world. You know, when we think about relationships, when you're in your bad place, and this is one thing I always try to work with my coaching clients who have partners, 
is that to try to develop the ability that when you're in your bad place to see your partners, and it doesn't even just have to be partners, but your friends, your your con- the people you connect with in your life, is that they are a really important person at those time, at those times to help you through that. And your job is to actually use those tough times as an opportunity to develop a stronger bond, not to damage the bond. But if we look at what's a deeper damage, if you're feeling overweight, unhealthy, unmotivated, you're self-identifying yourself as a failure, do you, does that then mean that I disconnect with my the people I'm meant to be actually building stronger connections with? That the way that I'm actually meant to get through this by using support and open communication and all those types of things, I pushed them away and, I, and actually I hurt the relationship with that person. You know, like I've talked a bit about John Goodman's work in the past. John Goodman to me is a genius when it comes to relationships. And he talks about how, you know, you can almost see a relationship failing because in the moment of need, a partner betrays the other partner. And if you look at a great relationship, what they do is in a moment of need, they build trust. That in my moment of need, you are there for me. So I learned that when I need you, you're going to be there for you. But in my moment of need, if I betray you, meaning that when, when I express need or you know a kind of need from you, an emotional need from you, you reject that, then that pushes me away. So if I'm in a place where I've eaten too much, I'm feeling overweight, unhealthy, unmotivated, I'm starting to self-identify in a bad place, um, and I'm getting to these deeper costs where I'm starting to damage the people, the friends in my life, and, and my partner comes to me and I've had a tough day and they just need to offload, but I'm so consumed with myself, am I in a place to build trust or am I going to betray them? Am I going to reject them? Am I going to oh, you know, stonewall them where you just kind of don't even acknowledge their problems? What are some other examples of real deeper damage? You know, the deeper damage. Does it does it hurt your the, does it hurt your ability to see your future? You know, like I love the idea of being someone who has ambition. You know, like I really do. I I in my next podcast is actually going to be about this this idea of having ambition. I know, like lately, this this is obviously kind of addressing the tougher moment in your life, but. You know, I also want to encourage things like growth and ambition and things like that. And, you know, to be ambitious is something I really admire. And uh, and I'm going to talk about a book that I've been reading recently which talks about this. But, you know, the real cost of you being in your bad place, do you think you can be ambitious when you're in that place? Do you think ambition even is contemplated when you're in that place? Well, maybe it is, but, I'm, you know, these are, these are the kind of questions we want to explore. So... Uh, If I go back a few steps and I kind of recap where we're at. So we're kind of saying that when something bad happens to me, the way I respond, what is the way I respond? And if the way I respond is more damaging, what's the cost of that damage? So the example I used was I had a tough day at work. I came home. I had a whole packet of biscuits. I had a whole packet of chips. I had a whole two liters of Coke. And then I had some cake and I just went crazy for the rest of the day. What's the cost of that? Well, over time, if this is how I'm going to respond to that, I'm going to, you know, be unhealthy, be unfit, feel unmotivated, be overweight, and so on. What's the deeper cost? The deeper cost is that it hurts my connections, it hurts my self identity, it hurts my future, as in my future ambition, because my self identity obviously is going to cross over. So you can see how. You know, if you're living in this place for a long time, the way you deal, if we if we go back to that second step of, you know, I've had a bad day, that moment of that 
damage that, that you know how I respond to my tough times has a massive flow-on effect. And if we can work on anything today, that's where I really want to kind of narrow our focus into. I really want to kind of point our finger at that place and say, okay, well, that's a good place to start. And it's the one thing, if I go back to my friend from when I was younger, is that as much as he struggled, there was no obvious damage you know like other than to himself at least like you know i'm sure if, if i got him to go deeper then i'd be if there was definitely some damage but you know like there was no you know like he's i really admired that about him because a lot of people i've experienced in my life who struggle with themselves and have these flow on a favor effects that create much deeper costs but really damages their life and, and those around them. So that's, you know, that's where I'm kind of going. So I suppose then the second thing, the, the second thing I really want us to think about here is if we can identify that how I'm going to respond, and that's kind of the question I threw at my client, and it was, again, a really good question. If I can see that comes at a cost, not just the really obvious cost, but the deeper cost, what I need to do is I need to think about how I can minimalize the damage of that place. How do I minimize the damage, the cost of when I'm struggling in life? And to me, this is a massive work on. It really is. It's such a massive work on because if you can work on this, if we go back to my example of if I can work on I've had a really bad day and the way I've traditionally responded is to come home and eat like there's no tomorrow – and then I can see that by continuously doing this, it has a massive cost on my life. Well, then, if I can minimalize that, then that's going to be that's going to be massive. Now, ultimately, well, I think what we really want to say is that you want to change it. You know that you want to change it. You want to say that when I've had a bad day, I've learned I need to go home. I need to put some music on. I need to go, you know, grab my iPod and go for a walk. Or I need to call my friend and have a talk about it. So we need, you know, I ultimately believe what you should be doing is going, what's the change I need to create in that moment so I can deal with this time in a much healthier way? But sometimes it's, that's a big step. And a, an easier step to work towards is to say, okay, well, at least how do I minimize, minimize the damage? And in some ways it takes me back to, if you've ever listened to my Reset podcast, you know, this Reset podcast is, you know, when you're in your bad place, and this my research is very much about nutrition. So when you overeat, how do you make sure you don't eat as much as you, you know, is what you potentially could? And this is some ways the same thing. Is that when I'm in my self-destructive place, how do I minimise the damage I'm doing to myself and to my world? And ultimately, I suppose what we want to say is that then, if I can minimise that, then I want to also be working on creating a change where. There's no damage at all. So let's look at the first step. So to me, what we've got to think about is in our time when we're not in our bad place, we've got to do the work. So the first thing is, is the awareness of what happens. And that's why I've been throwing these questions at you today. I've been really trying to throw these deep, dark questions at you today. So, you know, even as you're listening to this right now, you may have some, you want to go, you know what, Bev? here's the area where I'm really struggling, here's what happens, you know, I'm, or like you, I overeat, or do you know what, when I when I get in a bad place, I sh- shut off my world, and I lock myself away, uh, actually interesting, I was talking to another client of mine a while ago, and, and they were, that was their thing, is that when they struggle, they close off their world, 
And the, the, it was really interesting. We, we really went into what is the deeper, co- well, what's the deeper cost of this end of you closing off your world? And then it was, it was very much that um, they, they didn't feel loved. And so because they didn't feel loved because they closed off their world, but at the same time they, they closed the door to the world being able to help them. So they were never going to feel loved because how can the world love you if you, you block it away? And, you know, so you can kind of see. So as you th- as I throw this at you, maybe you're identifying this. But I think the first thing I really want you to do is to identify when I'm in my tough times, how what's what's the way I deal with that that could potentially be damaging to me? And that leads back to the first question when I talk about my client. That's the question we asked my client. And uh, their answer was really interesting. I'm not going to express that for you today because I haven't asked them if I could. But... Um, but with you, what? So awareness is the first tool. Awareness. When I go to my bad place, what happens? Okay. Second thing is is then to identify. And when and I think if, if like it's interesting. I'm releasing my five K dream again at the moment. And one of the things I do is so my five K dream is you know if you listen to you know what it is. But what it, it's kind of a marketing system you go through. Um, and what you do is you kind of you give away three free videos. And in the three videos, you make really like the videos i made i'm really proud of i think they really add value to people's lives and um and then at the end of you kind of say oh and here's our product um and you know within the three videos you send out an email just telling saying um what do you say you say just tell me what your biggest fear is around running 5ks and let me know and it's really cool because lots of people respond and um i'm going to put up one because there was one i got there from a lady the other day just saying um let me just pull that up i'm going to pause for a second back in the second uh, they said basically the, the, I've just kind of come back. Um, they basically just said here I've just discovered I'm not a happy person, and and, and I'm marketing this to a group of people around thirty-five, fifty-five. So you know they're they're kind of at least in the midpoint of their life, and I've just discovered they're not a happy person, and and they're kind of just saying, I want my journey to be about changing my inner voice. Now that's that that's really good awareness, isn't it? To kind of wake up and go, wow, I'm 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 not a happy person, and that's. You know, that's that awareness point. And I think the awareness point has really helped when you do the work of seeing what actually happens. And one thing I, I did with a client a while ago, this person was really hard on themselves in, in a way that, you know, was just not good enough. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, you'd never treat somebody else how this person was treating themselves. And so one thing we did was we said, if whenever you feel how you're feeling, I want you to grab your phone. And it's a great thing nowadays we can do this. I said, grab your phone. And I just want you to push record and talk the thoughts that you're having in your head into your phone. And they came back to me and said, wow, man, I just, I really didn't realize how unfair I was to myself. Like this person was swearing at themselves. So it was, it was, it was abuse. It was abuse. It was abusing somebody. The only thing was it was abusing themselves. But there was no way they would ever say what they were saying to anybody else but they allowed it to themselves. And it was it was a really important tool because they woke up and saw what they were happening. And that's kind of what this person sent me in the email. Is that I realized I'm not a happy person and that I want to change my inner voice. And when I worked with this person in their area, it was like, okay, we need better awareness. What really happens? You know, what really, really happens when you're in that spot? And so, you know, they went away and they, you know, they, they figured it out. And and for me, that's your first step in creating awareness. Don't just say, oh, you know, when life is tough, this is what I do. No, to get really deep understanding. Like, here's what I say. Here's what I think. Here's how I communicate with other people in my life. It's all of those types of things are what you can really contemplate when you're in that place. And then from there, 
and this needs to be done. I remember years ago I interviewed, um, I can't even remember his name, but a guy who was an addiction specialist. It's a great podcast. Go back and listen to it. It's one of my best interviews, I think. And um, he was just talking about how for a person who have, has an addiction, in the moment, he, he talked about it's almost like a moment of rage, and that in your moment of rage, you can't stop it. You know, if you're an alcoholic, once you switch over to your moment of rage, you you're drinking. You're not going to stop it. And the real key that those people needed to do is they needed to develop tools that allowed them to see they're moving towards their rage. Because once they switch over, for an addict, that it ain't stopping. You know, it, it's going to happen and you're going to do the damage. And so for me, that there's a real lesson in that for all of us, that in these areas we're trying to minimize damage, we want to have strategies and systems in place that are put in place before we're in that moment. Because when we're on that emotional high place, it's pretty hard to turn the boat around. It's almost like the Titanic going towards the iceberg. You know, you know, you should turn the boat around, but you haven't got the time. Whereas, with if we know that you know in the future there's going to be some icebergs up in the horizon, and I've got these great tools to help my boat move quickly or, or see it further off, I can then make the adjustment so I don't hit that iceberg. And that's what we want to think about. Is so first of all. Amazing awareness. What is the real experience that takes me to those behaviors? And then what's the damage? You know, we've already kind of talked about that. But then what am I going to do at those times to make sure I don't do the damage so much? Now, I've talked a little bit before how it's about minimizing damage and ultimately moving to a place where you don't even do the damage. And this part here, you'll be doing a bit of working through it. So at first, you'll, you know, you are trying to think, okay, well, what I can do is, um, I know I overeat, I know I go crazy and I have the whole bag of biscuits to coat the chips and cake and so on. But what I can do is when I know I've gone to that place, I'm going to think to myself, I'm going to plan to have my anger box. And in my anger box, it's going to have a box of chocolate and it's going to have a note to myself. And the box, you know, the chocolate will be a chunk size power of chocolate, not a whole king size box of chocolate. So it's a little bit of chocolate that allows me to kind of do that. And it also note to myself to tell me to go for a walk or tell me to ring my friend or so on. And when I know I'm going to that place, I'm going to go there. Now, does that strategy work? Well, I don't know. That's what we've got to figure out. You know, like these aren't perfect answers, but they're work-ons that we can develop in yourself. So again, in the time when you're not in that place where you're doing damage, you want to develop strategies that you're going to work on. And the point I just made there, and this is one thing I always say with my clients, is we don't know if this is going to work. We're going to try. And often what we try does work. And sometimes it's just a total waste of time. But through working on them, we work out what works. And over time, you develop a set of tools and a set of strategies that allow you to be a much healthier version of yourself in these damaging times. So that's what you want to think about is, okay, well, what I'm trying to do is develop tools and strategies. And there are some things that can really help with this is you can go back to your past. In the past, when I was this way, have there ever been an experience where I did it well? And if you have, what were the tools and strategies I used at that time? If you haven't, okay, well, just, hey, it doesn't mean I can't try moving forward. And then develop these strategies before the moment. Then probably with your awareness tools of what happens, you're trying to use that for triggers to remind yourself that, oh, I'm starting to go down this path. Okay, here's the tools I'm going to try to work towards. 
try to win the experience. Now, again, you're not always going to win it. Sometimes you're still going to end up eating the chocolate, the, the biscuits, and so on. Uh, but sometimes you won't. Sometimes you'll get through it better. And then what you want to think about is, this is a learning loop you're going to get in. This is a learning loop you're going to get in. So the learning loop is, how do I minimize the damage of my bad time? And again, not just on the obvious levels, on the deeper levels. How do I develop tools and strategies to get me through that? And then how do I eventually not even have damage with the bad times? And the learning loop says that each time I have an experience like this, I learn from it. So I try tools and strategies, I reinforce the ones that work, and then I tweak or change the ones that don't work. Now, I can guarantee that if you have this attitude, you will move forward in this area. Will it take effort? Definitely. Will it be hard? Yeah, probably. Will, will you have some times where you really cock it up and, and it's a total failure? Yeah, for sure. But if you have that learning attitude, that attitude of, you know what, even when I make my mistakes, it's just a chance, it's just an opportunity for me to learn how to do this better next time, over time, this will be a thing that you don't think about in the past. It was interesting, on Facebook the other day, I put up a question, so I'm going to check that up. Um, I was kind of just trying to be deep and meaningful on Facebook, and I'm just putting up Facebook right now, and uh, and I put up a question on Facebook, and it was around this whole idea of, um, what, in 15 years from now, what would you look back on and wish you hadn't worried about? And, and these kind of questions are really great, because it does make you realise what's probably a little bit more important, and I got some really great answers. Um, body shape and weight, um, work, uh, other people thinking of me, probably still wish I'd spent some more time with my kids before they left home, and so so on and so on. So, you know, kind of the answers that a lot of us would identify with. But the one thing I love is when you've been working with someone and they realize that that thing that used to consume them is no longer there. That place where they, you know, that really owned them is no longer there. And it's a really cool moment because it's like, wow, that's gone. And that's what's really cool. And I suppose if I'm going to say there's a last point to all of today's kind of thought pattern that I'm kind of throwing at you guys, is it's not just to say that the and the aim, the evolution of this, there's quite a few steps. So first of all, it's this kind of the awareness of what's happening, then the work on of the, the, um, the working and getting better of this. And then over time, maybe you've even changed. Well, then... The thing I, I, I want to promote most is how does my dark times in my life actually make my life better? How do the dark times in my life actually make my life better? So that in that day when you've had a bad day at work or, or something really big's happened that's really hurt you in, in a really emotional way which traditionally would damage your life and come at a massive cost would actually make your life more powerful. That you know, let's use an example that you, you come home, you know, you've had a bad day and, and three years ago, that would be the biscuits and the Coke and the chips and stuff. But now, you know, you're going to go for a walk. You're going to put some music on. When you when you come home, you're going to ring your friend or, or sit your partner and say, look, I need to have a chat. And you're going to connect with them in a way that that makes you grab their hand. And I think you know what I mean when I say that. When You know, that you... you Sometimes when you know when you connect with someone to a higher level, there's almost, well, at least this is my experience of it. There's this touch moment where it's like we're together. You, you, now, can you imagine if your damaging time 
that comes at all those massive costs turned into that in your life. That it actually became an empowering time in your life. Because after that moment, you've connected strong with your partner, you've looked after yourself and your health, it actually becomes a confidence thing. It actually makes you feel good about yourself because you think to yourself, in my hardest times, I know how to look after myself. And you build a deeper connection with your partner and you're healthy. And then the greatest thing is the cost of the negativity or, or, or the damaging time is so minimalized that you can keep putting your energy on the empowering things in your life. So that's, that's the main part. Of, and I'll just do a quick wrap up. So the, the, what I'm saying is, who are you in your toughest times? And what's the cost of that upon your life? And we can look at that at a really, really simple level with the surface layer. You know, I put some weight on because I ate too much. And a deep layer. I, I have no real connections in my life because I push people away in my hard time. And all those types of examples. Is this an area of your life that you feel is working on? And and I've got to be honest. If, if, you, if, I'm, if you're saying yes right now, this is an area of your life you need to work on. Like it's a no-brainer. Then what you want to think about is the kind of the strategy I put in place? Create amazing awareness. Don't just go, oh yeah, here's what I do. No, like put the put the recorder on the iPhone and talk to it. You know, all of these types of things. Really, what happens? Then develop strategies that you're going to try at these times. And this is one of the things I was talking about with my clients. Another client a couple weeks ago is that all we're looking for in these moments is this is an exciting opportunity for you to explore the way through. And yeah, you know, exploring was the key word there. So. Develop strategies that you may use. Then use your awareness to see when you're going down that towards that, that moment and put those strategies in place. Over time, you'll tweak and you'll do that learning kind of circle with the with the strategies to allow yourself to work out how to be successful in this time to a point where you're not just minimalizing the damage, but eventually you'll get to a place where it's not even a problem. And then, and this is the ultimate, that when I experience the things that would previously trigger off the most damaging times in my life, they actually empower my life. Now that is powerful. And if you do that, and you become that person, do you think you're going to be a better version of yourself? Okay, team, that's pretty much today's show done and dusted. Hopefully you get a lot out of that. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting topic. It's uh, one that I think um, needs a lot of work for a lot of people. You know, like it's, um, most of the people who damage you in your life have things to work on. You know, and when you think about the great people in your life, is they, they know how to look after this stuff pretty well. And what I mean with great is that, People just seem happy or, you know, who are, who are happy. There's one thing to seem happy with. You know when you meet someone who's just got it. You know what I mean? Like there's some people who just have it. They've got it together. And, um, yeah, and, and I love this idea of my toughest times actually make me better. better. And not just like, you know, my toughest time because I ran a marathon and I learned about grit and all those types of things. No, like my real struggles 
I love that. I, I think that's such a great way to kind of evolve yourself in your life. So um, hopefully you got a lot out of that. Hopefully there's something for you to think about there. And um, you know, and, and you may know somebody who would get some real value from listening to this. And if you do know that's the case, you can check, you know send them the podcast, and you know, you know it's free. <laughs> you can do that. Um, and remember, I've just released the latest. Well, my five K dream is happening right now. So if you want to do my five K dream. It's my 5K train, training program. And one thing I just want to talk about with this is it's really important because, um, you know, my competition, I suppose, is the Catch to 5 app. And um, I don't really see it as my competition because if if you want a, a program to run 5Ks, as in the, their physical, you know, just what you need to do to actually run 5Ks, this my product's not that. My product has that. I'll give you the program and, and I'll give you more than just the running. I'll give you yoga, stretches, strength and everything that needs for the physical side of it. But my program is, you know what I'm about. My program is about how do I guide you through the journey in the way that's going to get you to run 5Ks. I was reading a stat the other day. I think it's like my 5K, my, sorry, the, the Couch to 5 app is like a 90% failure rate. So, so most people download the app and don't do it. Whereas, you know, my 5K dream, our success rate has been huge. And it's because it's it's the whole journey every week you have a 30 minute meeting with Bev and it's these pre-recorded lessons that I've done that teach you what you need to know to be successful this week and it's all this mind stuff that I talk about in the show so if you if you want to run 5k's and you are looking for um, you know what I do uh, basically go to my 5k dream now what happens is when you sign up you get three free videos and I kind of have this email process that I send through to you it's all automated it's kind of what we do on the internet nowadays and so um Within that, you'll get three free videos, and then on like the fourth day, you have the opportunity to buy the product. And so there is a price. Um, I think it's great value for money. I put a lot, like it's really cool because I've got some, I've just been, the first bunch of people have um, just finished the product, and I've just got some amazing feedback. I'm actually interviewing one of the girls today. Um, just some amazing feedback from people just saying, man, this is, this is, this is awesome. And, and, you know, as I always talk about, my, my, my measure is, do people who achieve the goal and people are running 5Ks and you know what? They're running 5Ks but like they're learning the lessons I want people to learn through fitness and that's what this is all about. So if, if it's not for you, you may know somebody who, you know, would get value from this. Um, so you can just send them to my5kdream.com and it's all pretty obvious from there on and get them signed up for the emails and I'll go from there. Other than that, I want to say a big thank you to all the patrons of the show. Um yeah, and um, you guys are just really important, like really important to the show, and uh, it means a lot to me that you give a bit of your hard-earned money my way to keep me doing what I'm doing, and I'll be back in a couple weeks' time. You guys rock on, have a wonderful couple weeks, and keep being you. Mm-hmm.